1: Welcome back to another Talking Lamar Christmas edition. On this episode, we talk about all kinds of Christmas traditions, things like trees, eggnog, yule log, all things Christmas, and where exactly they came from. What are you talking about? What are
2: you talking about? Sorry, I forgot what I was talking about. What are you talking about? I am
0: talking to you. That's just what
1: I was talking about. It's
2: Talking Lamar.
1: What a great time of the year. What an absolute wonderful time of the year. It doesn't get any better than this. And there's so many things that we celebrate and so many traditions that we have. So I started looking into a few of them to see exactly where they got started. So the first thing we're going to talk about is Christmas trees. Now, Germany first introduced decorated trees in in the Middle Ages, but the custom spread to America by the early 19th century. A New York woodsman named Mark Carr is credited with opening the first U.S. Christmas tree lot in 1851. A survey they did back in 2019 by the American Christmas Tree Association predicted that 77% of U.S. households displayed a Christmas tree of some sort in their home. Among the trees on display, an estimated 81% were artificial, and nineteen percent were real.
0: I'm a little shocked
1: by that. Are y'all
0: by the by? How many are artificial? The,
1: the ratio, yeah.
0: You know, I I too am a little surprised. I have no fight with an artificial tree. Kev doesn't want one. I would like to have a pink or silver one myself, but mm-hmm. he insists on a real tree. Listen, I wonder. I
1: love an artificial I won-
0: tree. Uh, that's everybody that has them loves them. I wonder, and you may know this. Like when did who was the first brave soul who said, You know what the world needs? A fake Christmas tree. And everyone said, No, that'll never work. And then, you know,
1: yep. 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 The rest is history, Boston Hill. (laughs) I used to be, I used to be real tree. But after so many Christmases of my kids watching out the window while I'm out there trying to saw the bottom off so it fits into the tree stand and not being able to get the tree stand and cussing it out and raising cane and then dragging it into the house, getting it to stand up right, then it's my job to put the lights on. Putting on the lights on the Christmas tree, it's a horrible, <laughs> horrible job. I, heard, I learned the trick that once you get some of them on, you step back and you squint your eyes, and you can tell where the spots are that you need to move them around. But I just, I hate it. I hate it. Then I went to the artificial tree, and I went back and forth over the time, artificial reel, artificial reel. But I go to the artificial tree, and you get a really good one that's already got the lights on it. That's the key. It's already got the lights. Then when you drag it out, you got to fluff it out because it's all cankered up. You know what I'm saying? It's all packed into that box. So you got to fluff it out and get all the stuff, the, lead, uh, the needles and stuff and all that. And then one year, a section of the lights goes out. So, you throw a string on, and the next year, another section goes out. The next thing you know, you put lights on the artificial tree. That's the whole reason you bought it was not to put the lights on the artificial tree. But I solved that problem by going to Costco because Costco has <laughs> lights on the tree, and they are, you don't, they're unfluffable. They're, they're, they're no fluff. It's a no fluff tree. You just take it out, you put it up. And it sets up, and it looks fantastic. And How it has can there white be lights. a
0: no-fluff tree? How
1: can that? It's be? a no-fluff. It's a no-fluff tree. And Costco's it's got amazing. colored lights. It's got white lights. And you can turn it on so that the colored lights dim down, and the white lights come on, and it goes back. And there's like 20 different settings. It's just it's magical. Did you it's get
2: like a 55-gallon 50, drum of eggnog with that? <laughs> <laughs> Only because
1: I'm not an egg drunk, uh, egg drunk. but you know, we talked, the more I research eggnog and I have got, I, later on, I'll give you the exact uh, George Washington recipe for eggnog. So I feel like maybe I need to go back and try it again. I'm not sure. I'm,
0: I'm surprised really sure. that you're not an eggnog man because um, it's so, here's why. Not. I don't think you have the world's biggest sweet tooth. It's not that. It's just this incredibly rich, indulgent tradition. And you seem like the kind of man to put on a Christmas sweater and pour some eggnog down his pie hole. I'm so surprised. Uh, I I know. I think my
1: first uh, uh, taste of eggnog was not fun. I didn't like it. Whoever made it, I just assumed that's what it all tastes like. I haven't tried it since. Oh,
0: it's good. Good stuff.
1: I got to try it again. Got to try it again.
0: We are so excited about Bob and Sherry Premium. Well-marbled, juicy, and always fresh with loads of behind-the-scenes photos and videos, exclusive content, including our classic chatroom calls and our best of CDs. And best of all, it's just $4.99 a month. BobandSherry.com slash premium.
1: One of my greatest Christmas traditions is watching a Charlie Brown Christmas. I just, I love it. I absolutely love it. And all these decades later, it's probably hard to imagine that this beloved TV special that was inspired by Charles Schultz's Peanut comic strip was first rejected by CBS executives. They didn't want nothing to do with it. After they showed it to them, they didn't get the voices. Because all the voices, they were voiced by children. They didn't get that. They didn't get the music or how it was paced. And they were sure it was going to be an absolute disaster. But the problem is they already had it on the schedule. And they said, we're going to show this one time and be done with it. So it finally aired on December the 9th, 1965. Almost half of all the TVs in the country, over 15 million, were tuned in to the broadcast. The show went on to win an Emmy. It won a Peabody It's got a huge following. It even created a trend of Charlie Brown Christmas trees. I never thought it was such a bad little tree, Linus says in that special. It's not bad at all, really. Maybe it just needs a little love. I watch Mm. this every year. I never miss it, along with Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer and the original When the Grinch Stole Christmas. I mean, I love those things. And I think the Charlie Brown Christmas is just huge. It's huge. I love it. I absolutely. Lamar,
0: love it. I am not even a little bit surprised that the programming executives at CBS didn't get it. No, yeah. I think if people knew the extent to which the folks who make decisions for what you get to listen to <sighs> or read or watch, if you knew like how cynical and contemptuous of you a lot of those folks are, not all of them, but yep. a lot of them. You'd be so pissed you might not watch anything or listen to anything ever again. Well, see,
1: this was at the time when you only had three channels. And so you had three gatekeepers, basically, three gatekeepers deciding what you saw. Now, there's so many different ways to watch that if you've got something that's a little weird, there's a place to show it. You know what I'm saying? You, if yeah. you want to be a little bit off the out of the box, there's somebody that will stream it or show it or whatever. And it has really gave us another level of entertainment. I mean,
2: but despite you know, some of the quirky things about that, there is something that's resonated with people about it, even though there wasn't much else to watch. I mean, no, the, they, the, they loved it. They the, loved the, it. the jazz loved it. music. Uh, Charlie Brown yeah. is suffering from some sort of depression. <laughs> yeah.
0: <laughs> I think that's what the decision makers struggled with was that, The pacing, like when you think about the Peanuts comics, just on the printed page, but now think about the TV versions, the pacing of it is measured and slow. It doesn't have that frantic Saturday morning cartoon vibe, right? No, no, no. And the the children in the Charlie Brown universe are not very childlike. Charlie Brown has depression and lives in a full-blown existential crisis. Lucy... Lucy's has no... To Taking advantage of that. <laughs> yeah. Um, Linus is a 60-year-old man in a child's body. You know, think about it. And then the, Snoopy? Like, you, I can see how they were just bewildered by it. But it just goes to show you that... Um, don't assume that everything you see is the best that was available to show you. Because yes. a lot of really great stuff never gets past those gatekeepers.
1: Yep, that is exactly right. That is exactly right. Now, here's one that I was not familiar with, and probably maybe you will be, but I was not. Christmas pickles. If there's a pickle among your snowman or your angel and reindeer ornaments, you're likely taking part in the American tradition of hiding the green pickle ornament on the tree so that the first child to find it either wins a gift or gets to open the first present on Christmas morning. Um, uh, how this started is a little bit murky, but it likely grew from a Woolworths marketing gimmick from the late 1800s. The retailer received this huge, uh, amount of imported German, German ornaments, and they were shaped like a pickle and they had to get rid of them. So it needed a sales pitch to get rid of them. So they sort of invented that, uh, tradition, if you hear to sell their pickles and they, they count on, cool. I mean it. It's cynical
0: it's cynical AF, you know, but um, the fact that it became a charming tradition is pretty
1: cool. Once again, trace it back to the money. (laughs) It's always the money. Elf on the shelf. If you love it or you hate it. Since 2005, moms and dads have either been happy or begrudging or whatever, but they have been hiding a toy elf each night from Thanksgiving to Christmas, and more than 13 15 million elves have been adopted since 2005 when Carol Ebersold and her daughter Chanda Bell published the book Elf on a Shelf A Christmas Tradition. It comes with the toy. Social media has even inspired parents to set up elaborate scenarios for their elves like he TP'd the tree or, or she filled the sink with marshmallows. Now Snoop Dogg and Martha Stewart, they're in on the gig. So it still keeps getting cooler and cooler. I don't see the Elf on the Shelf going anywhere. I, I really don't.
2: I really
0: don't. I, you know, I did, when my girls were little, we did Elf on the Shelf. Um, I had many years where we did Advent calendars, Elf on the Shelf. And my girls went to a language immersion magnet school. So we also did um, Hanukkah and Kwanzaa and a handful of other um traditions from around the world and i'm here to tell you i would skid into christmas morning on fire and exhausted from (laughs) all of that and the elf on the shelf see here's the thing the elf on the shelf was the worst and i'll tell you why as everyone knows you can't touch the elf on the shelf with your hands or you'll mess with his or her magic so the elf on the shelf has to be moved if the children witness you moving the elf on the shelf you have to use oven mitts or barbecue tongs or whatever. But the elf on the shelf can't move until everyone goes to bed at night when the elf flies back to the North Pole and snitches get stitches Mr. Yep, Peppermint yep, yep. but you know you yep. rats on all of us. <laughs> and woe to you if you if your elf forgets to go to the North Pole Lamar if you know what I mean your elf Maybe it was a real busy Wednesday night and your elf forgot to go to the North Pole. And then the next day, your child, maybe your child's name is, I don't know, Karamia, burst into tears. Did Kevin touch the elf and kill him? (laughs) (sighs) The number of times that I pitched him under the wheels and said, oh, Oh, I'm sorry, I think Kevin touched the elf. (laughs) (laughs)
1: Somebody's got to take the blame Someone's got to take the fall Yeah, (laughs) It's funny how you you mentioned advent calendars Early versions of this tradition Started in Germany in like 1903 By publisher Gerhard Land Uh, He offered a way for children To count down to Christmas By opening one door or one window a day To reveal a bible passage Or a poem or a small gift since gaining this mass popularity by 1920, the calendars have evolved to secular calendars that include daily gifts of all kinds of stuff. You got 12 days of instant noodles. You've got 12 days of luxury ornaments. You've even got an Ann Summers sexual wellness advent calendar. You got happy socks. Uh, this is one for Kevin. You have a tool a day calendar. There's a retro radio calendar that gives you one part every day. So you build an actual radio and my personal favorite, the gin and tonic advent calendar. It's all kinds of different tonics and all kinds of different gins along the way.
0: Lamar can I tell you that since you're talking about advent calendars, so, um, uh, an actor that I follow on Instagram, she was in, um, the first season of white Lotus and, She's in uh, Mayfair, the Mayfair Witches, Alexandria D'Addario. She was on um, uh, Baywatch. I was about to say Best Buy. She was not on Best Buy. She was on Baywatch. Anyway, so I guess uh, she has some sort of brand partnership with the French fashion house, Dior. And she was like, my Dior advent calendar has arrived. And it's like this (laughs) enormous exquisite looking thing. So of course my curiosity got the best of me. I had to know $750, wow. $750. So I went ahead and I had some, uh, I had a look at some of the reviews. Tasha says, quote, I purchased this for myself. The packaging is beautiful, but it's not worth the price for all the sample size items. Girl, it was $750. Like, don't you feel guilty if while you're Christmas shopping, you buy yourself a T-shirt? Here's another one. (laughs) This isn't worth the money. Too many little candles and perfumes that smell nasty. This was a terrible experience. $750. (laughs) What did you think you were getting for $750? Okay, back to Advent. (laughs) Yes.
1: (laughs) Now, this is something that I've never been familiar with, the Yule Log. Yule logs were part of an ancient winter solstice celebration, but it was Americans who turned the wood burning into a must-see TV type thing. Back in 1966, WPIX TV in New York City aired a continuous 17-second loop of a fireplace for three hours, along with holiday music. That led to eventual better production, uh, and now there's there's 20 year after 20 years of of viewing. You can watch the Yule log on demand on the web. Now, the original Yule log, during the winter, winter solstice, they would cut down this big tree and make this big log and drag it into the house and stick one end of it into the fireplace and set it on fire. And as the log burned, they would push the log in. I don't know how many houses must have burnt down over this. I'm not sure. I mean, it just seems to me like it's a dangerous thing. <laughs> yeah,
0: it does sound rough. It does.
1: So, so honestly, watching it on uh, YouTube seems to be a whole lot safer, if I'm, if I'm not wrong. Uh, now, I never got into this. Ugly Christmas sweaters. Mm-hmm. Are y'all ugly Christmas sweater people?
0: I have a collection of truly epic Christmas cat sweaters. That no. I mean, I just I just can't help but have. I only wear them once a year, but yeah, that's not the
2: same as the ugly sweater thing. He's talking. I mean, you have them, but there's there's a theme to it. This is just ugly.
0: Lamar, you don't you have can... a single Christmas sweater. You know what? I do not. And you would think you would think I would,
1: but I just never I... got caught up in it. Can I tell you, I'm my,
2: shocked. my mother gave me a Christmas sweater that had like a deer and a Christmas tree on it, right? Yeah, deer's so big on Christmas. Guess sweater, what? Yeah. Not too many opportunities to wear this. But my mother would always ask me about it, interestingly enough. Do you still have that sweater? Somehow she was really proud of giving that to me. <clears throat> I wore it many well, Christmases. Yeah. We can blame
1: We can blame our Canadian neighbors for this tradition, uh, it really gained, uh, gained steam in the 80s. According to the Ugly Quis Christmas Sweater Party Book, sweaters became a party trend in Vancouver, Canada, in 2001. And the trend looks like it's not going anywhere. According to Fox Business, the ugly sweater industry is now a multi million dollar business with websites such as Tipsy Elves and different ones, and retailers with Macy's and Coles and Target jumping on this bandwagon. At one point when it first started out, you know, the only place to find a Christmas sweater was at the Salvation Army or Goodwill. Other than and then once it got started, you they were all gone. I mean, you know what I'm saying? It just became almost impossible and then people started making them and making them ugly. So now you can go online, you have all the choices that you want. I I just I don't know. I just never got into it. I never got am
0: I the it. only person that's sitting here, like, completely shocked that Lamar does not have a Christmas sweater uh, and he doesn't have some eggnog by the fire? Uh, what
1: in the I, world? I, I, I'm so I surprised. I'm, I'm letting a lot of people down. I trust. That I am. I'm letting a lot of people down. But you know, maybe when I maybe when I try my eggnog this year, I'll get a sweater and do both things at the same time. Maybe I'll do that.
0: Maybe for the um. Uh, you know, for our uh, Christmas tree lighting that we do on the Bob yes. and Sherry show, maybe you could show up for that with some eggnog and a reindeer sweater. And,
1: and, just put, yes. just okay. planting
0: the seed. There you just go. Just
1: planting the seed. Planting the seed. Okay. Here's a tradition. Cookies and milk for Santa. Well. Oh, yeah. It's pretty simple. I assume this tradition started when people realized that the least they could do for somebody that once a year stops at your house, comes in and brings presents while you're asleep is to leave a few cookies and a cold glass of milk. This is a hardworking guy. I mean, I, I don't. That's this is no
2: mystery. I'm surprised it took that he, long. He Maybe. not only took the cookies and the milk, but he wrote he would write a note to us. Oh yeah, yep, yeah. yep.
1: Yeah. That's pretty nice. That really is pretty nice.
0: Sometimes, uh, Santa always ate the cookies the girls left out. And sometimes, um, we would find glittery reindeer tracks on the sidewalk leading up to the house. Those were exciting. Those were exciting.
1: That's cool. That's very, very cool. That's very cool. All right. Candy canes. Now, whether you devour them as a treat or you hang them on a tree as a decoration, candy canes are the number one selling non-chocolate candy during December. Now, these date back to 1670 in Germany um, a priest wanted to keep the kids quiet during the, the service because people get you know kids get tired and you know can't be still. so he wanted to give them some candy to keep them occupied so <clears throat> and he also he felt like he had to just handing out candy to kids uh, he had to add something to it. so he looked at it the red stripes that they had, they represent the blood of Jesus. The white stripes represent the purity of Christ. And then the J, he had them bended into a J shape, and that represents the name of Jesus. Now, they arrived in America in 1847 when a German Swedish immigrant in Worcester, Ohio placed them on a tree. And by the 1950s, somebody had come up with an automated candy cane making machine. And, buddy, it took off then. And because they could make tons of them. And, you know. I do love a candy cane. I do. I like a candy cane. So I, I like always, a
0: candy. You know, can. I like a candy cane. Yeah, like a I don't like a bunch of them
1: candy, cane. but I have one and I, I do like it. I do like it. Now, what we've been talking about earlier, boozy eggnog. All right, everybody says nothing makes the holidays like a glass of spiked eggnog, but this Yuletide cocktail stems from posset or posset. I don't know how you pronounce it. It's a drink a made posset. from hot cur- posset, Yeah. A drink made from hot curdled milk and ale or wine mm-hmm. from medieval mm-hmm. England. That's where it started. And American colonists get credit for making it popular and adding rum to it because rum was cheap. They could get a hold of rum and it was cheap, and that's what they did. I like I say, I've never been a fan. But George Washington had a special recipe: 12 eggs, half a cup of sugar a fifth of bourbon, a half a teaspoon of salt, a quart of whipping cream, a cup of milk, and one or two teaspoons of nutmeg. Now, he really added the liquor to it. And I think we had talked about this before. It was a tough one. Listen, if you could drink his, his eggnog, you was a man. I mean, he made it strong. It was very, very strong. Woo! And I've actually, I've got the actual recipe with directions. And uh, we'll post this uh, on the website if you want to give it a shot. I um, mean, you know, whatever. I'm just not sure about it. I'm just not the egg. egg
0: I think we should post it. Guy. You know, for yeah. We need to post it though. To try cause, it.
1: Yeah, yeah, because this is supposed to be a this is a famous recipe, and he's the one that came up with this exact recipe. So, now, do you have door Reese on your house? Do You have wreaths on your doors?
0: I have. I just hung a wreath on my front door. Yeah. Well, they've been
1: around since the ancient Greek and Roman times. Uh, But the evergreen Christmas wreath, often adorned with bows of holly, it eventually took on a Christian meaning with a circular shape, uh, I'm sorry, circular shape representing eternal life and the holy leaves. And the holly leaves and the berries are symbolic of Christ's crown and and the thorns and and Christ's blood. Uh, But today's wreaths, which come in every kind of variety, you can get a Christmas wreath. There's no limit. There's just no limit. I mean... You get flowers. You got fruit. You got the glass balls. You got ribbons. You've got college teams, pro team. I mean, you've got every possible. You can get a wreath for anything that you want to. That's big, big business. Big business.
0: Now I saw, and I'll never forget it as long as I live. And I hope someday to be the kind of person who has this kind of time on her hands. This was a Martha Stewart creation. That I saw Martha do on TV. That's how long ago. And it stuck with me. Yeah. So you you go to the grocery store and you get you many, many bags of fresh, raw ocean spray cranberries. Lamar, I know you don't know where cranberry sauce comes from, other than a can, but it's made from cranberries, which grow in bogs. And you can actually I've heard buy no- them. Get ready. Woo, I hope you're sitting down. You can buy cranberries that don't have the seams of a, of a metal can on them. So anyway. I don't know you how you to, know
1: how to cut it, but that's your business. I mean, I, you, know.
0: <laughs> you go to Michael's and you get you um, a styrofoam ring. Then you go to the grocery store and get many, 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 many bags of fresh raw cranberries. And, um, and you get a big container of straight pins. And then you go home and you spend... I don't even know how much time this would take, but you put a straight pin in each cranberry and then you insert that cranberry into that styrofoam ring until that entire ring is covered in cranberries. Then you slap a green ribbon or a gold ribbon or whatever kind of ribbon on that bad boy and hang it on your front door. And Martha said that unless you live in a really hot climate, that you don't have to worry about the cranberries rotting. They'll make it right through the festive season. Dude, dude, what would you give to have that kind of time?
1: <laughs> they sell those things. every. I mean, I'm sorry. That's a lot. I can't that even imagine. A lot. I
0: cannot even imagine. hey, we determined? Do you send out Christmas cards? You know, in years past, I, I have. I, I admit I've dropped the ball since COVID. It's just, I don't know. It gets away from me. How about you?
1: Huh? Well... We do, but it's not even anywhere close to time. Carlin never sends them out till the 23rd. I mean, she, she starts talking about it in November, but we never get them together until the 23rd. But the first official Christmas card was in 1843 in England, and it had this simple message, a Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year to you. And it gradually caught on in both Britain and the U.S., and then they started, you know, uh, packaging them with, an envelope, and I know you're going to be shocked at this. Uh, The Hall Brothers, which is now Hallmark, they created the folded card with the envelope in 1915. And today, according to the Greeting Card Association, more than 1.6 billion holiday cards are sold annually. Now, let's not even talk about the racket they had with Valentine's Day, Mother's Day, Boss's Day, and all the other days. Hallmark is killing it, killing it, killing it, killing it. I mean,
0: and it hasn't really people thought one of the predictions with the Internet was, oh, it's the end of the greeting card industry. And as best I can tell, it hasn't been the end of the greeting card industry. It just gave the greeting card industry a reason to charge like between four and seven (laughs) dollars for a single. Oh, my
1: gosh! I tell you what I tell you what I did years and years ago. Carly and I finally, because I go, you buy a gift, and then you go get the card, and you're going, "Oh my gosh!" So my point was to get the card. you want to write a little something on a piece of paper, or something, now, I'm not. I'm not spending seven or eight dollars on a card. I mean, that's. I'm just not doing it. Uh, I, I'm not. That's uh, just. It's nuts. It's nuts.
0: Now, I remember comes- the first time we realized this. Max's mom, may she frolic in the fields wow. of heaven. Max's mom—the the one thing in this world that mattered to her mm. was a greeting card for an occasion sent through the mail with an actual stamp. Yeah, you you could have you could have dug Elvis up from his grave and had him sing you on her doorstep, and she'd go, "That was nice, honey, but d- you didn't send me a card." Yeah, like all she wanted was a card. And I can't remember if it was Mother's Day or her birthday one year, but Max comes into the studio and goes, "Do you know what greeting cards cost?" <laughs>
2: <laughs> it been like
0: eight dollars. It is. That nuts. was the. He was the canary in the coal mine. He was the first person to catch that that I saw. I mean, it's crazy. It is crazy.
1: And you can go. Something. Listen. Go to the dollar store. You know what they sell them for?
2: A dollar. It don't say hallmark two. on it, but it's a dollar. Well, it, it, if we we dress the schnauzers <laughs> in sweaters and do it at the uh, the drugstore, and it's actually cheaper than buying the cards. Oh uh, yeah,
0: no oh, question,
2: yeah. no yeah. question. Yeah. Now, when it comes to watching movies
1: at Christmas time, Frank Capra's got the classic. Okay, it's it, it is the classic with Jimmy Stewart playing George Bailey. It's a Wonderful Life. You know, he's a suicidal man who is showing what life would be like without him by an angel. Uh, but before becoming an annual TV viewing tradition, the movie. When they released it, it flopped at the box office. I mean, n- nobody. I've went heard to see that,
0: it. and we don't know really why. Is there a theory why it, it tanked?
1: I don't know because it received it received five Oscar nominations. It didn't win, but it it, it had five nominations, and, and but people just didn't go see it.
2: You know, it was Jimmy Stewart's first movie after he came back from World War II, and if you notice in it, he's really thin. Um, and it was, he said it was his favorite movie he ever did, and Frank Capra said it was his favorite movie. So there were a lot of people that liked this movie, and I don't know if they didn't market it right or what exactly happened with it, that it was such a flop at the box office. But, of course, it was when the trademark ran out on it.
1: Yeah, yeah. Somebody forgot to redo the copyright in the 70s, and that allowed TV stations to air it for free. So, you know, if they're going to get to do it for free, they're going to put it on there. And it has aired exclusively on NBC and USA since 1994. Uh, it's not my favorite. Miracle on 34th Street starring Edmund Gwynn and Natalie Wood. That is my favorite. Well, that's of, of the black and white movies, that's my favorite. That's my favorite. Uh, I think Elf has become my – I don't know. I did not watched Elf twice this year.
0: Elf is one of I'll my probably watch, I, could, I'll, I could watch Elf all year long. Like it's not yes. even a Christmas movie for me. I yeah, love Elf.
1: Yeah, it, it's just great. It's just great. Now, Christmas lights. Thomas Edison, he invented the light, but it was his partner and friend Edward Herbert Johnson who had the bright idea of putting bulbs on strings and wrapping it around a Christmas tree in New York in 1882. By 1914, the lights were being mass produced. And now, we buy 150 million sets of lights each year in this country. I think that's because the 150 million we bought last year gets tangled up, and you can't get (laughs) so you just throw the dang things away and start all over again. But this again is exactly about my Costco tree. I don't have to worry about all that. But I just God, that was my most hated thing. And I don't put. I have never put light. I put lights on the uh bushes in the front but i've never put lights on the gutters and all around the house i've just never done that that just that seems like a lot
0: That's, i don't like I don't putting know. lights on a christmas tree i like taking lights off a christmas tree which i know is what? the strangest what? yeah like when it comes time to undecorate the christmas tree i i have to set the afternoon aside I put on some music or a Hallmark channel. I make myself a, you know, a seasonally festive cocktail. I climb up that ladder and I will spend hours on lighting a Christmas
2: tree. And you save it's the, the Capricorn
0: lights. in me, and I save the lights. Mm, yeah,
2: yeah, because I think someone who works on the Bob and Sherry show just throws the lights out. I can't yep.
0: do that. It's wasteful.
2: I have so many Christmas lights
0: that if I like, you have you ever seen people? That go up on their roof and they just go back and forth, strand after strand. And then when they turn oh, the it roof, on yeah. the entire roof of their house, yes. I have enough, I have enough Christmas lights to do that. Because what happens every year, like I have carefully saved and coiled and tested every light strand from last year. Hashtag Capricorn. But my husband mm. forgets that. Hashtag ADHD Aquarius
2: <laughs>
0: and buys new lights. So every year, new lights come in, and very few lights end up going out. And, I mean, I've got lights on my deck. I've got lights everywhere. I'm getting close to being able to do the whole roof. But, of course, that's only going to happen if he gets up there and does the whole roof. Because oh, you yeah. know how I feel about yeah. outside. There's wind, and it's cold, and it might rain. And mm, no. Yeah.
1: yeah. And you could yeah. fall off the roof, and that's I not could. what you want. Yeah, I
0: could. Well, that's not what I want. I'm not saying it's yeah. not what others want. But it's definitely <laughs> not what I want. All
1: right, where do y'all stand on fruit
2: cake?
0: Yuck.
2: What about you, Max? It makes are an we, excellent doorstop. I mean, are my we mother, talking the
0: nasty kind with the brightly colored candied fruit? Well, I mean, yes. Yeah. You know this.
1: This is a big deal in uh, Britain. They like it. Uh, Princess yeah. Diana and Kate Middleton both served it at their weddings fruitcake but those
2: are british people that's that's a tradition a british tradition that they brought to us i don't um i don't hate uh, it i mean i don't hate it i really
1: don't hate it
2: my mother used to get the fruitcake and then you um, eat some of that that's good that's fruit (laughs) Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> then, then she would make these cookies that were like fruitcake cookies. cookies. So the problem was they looked just like the chocolate chip cookies. Imagine the disappointment when you bite in and find out. <laughs> it's that nasty, bright colored candy fruit and not chocolate chips.
0: I I just don't like fruitcake. I'm not a hater. Like, I, I want everyone else who likes it. To absolutely like build yourself a house out of it. It has a weird freaking taste, like an aftertaste. You know that you know the aftertaste. Nah, it
1: does. It does. It does have an aftertaste. It does. And Lamar. I've had some people that actually cooked it fresh, but always, we always got a Claxton. I'm assuming that's nationwide, Claxton fruitcake. Oh yeah. From Claxton, Georgia. Yep. Yep. Claxton, yeah, Claxton fruitcake.
0: You're just such a man of many enigmas and mysteries because you're over here going, I got no Christmas sweater. I ain't drinking any eggnog. I'm not going to kick a fruitcake out of bed. What?
1: I mean, you know, I I don't go buy it. But if I if I walk by a little buffet or something or a little party and somebody's got fruitcake, I'm like, yeah, yeah, I'll eat it. It's funny because you know, for, when you talk about that being fruit, that is that is fruit like those plastic apples in the bowl is fruit. I mean, it's come for, on. Exactly.
0: <laughs> for the longest time, like most of my life, because we all grew up with parents and grandparents who were like, it's fruitcake. Try it. You'll like it. It's good. Kids will eat anything, right? Yeah. For most of my adult life, every holiday season, somebody pushes some fruitcake at me, and I think to myself, this is the one, this is the fruitcake that's going to make me like fruitcake. This is the year I turn the fruitcake corner and instead I find myself gacking it into a napkin like a cat with a hairball. <laughs> like,
1: no. I, <laughs> I don't run across this very often. Cookie swaps. I can remember this years ago, but I hadn't seen it in a while. Uh, you know what a cookie swap is? I'm assuming Yeah, you
0: You show up at a party and everybody brings like a batch of homemade Christmas cookies and you put them all out on the table and then everybody goes around and fills their tin so that you don't have to make a zillion different kinds of Christmas cookies. Like maybe you make snickerdoodles and somebody else makes gingerbread men, but everybody ends up with a great big variety, right? That's a cookie swap.
1: Yep, yep, yep. Um, The lady, that wrote she wrote a book, uh, The Cookie Party Cookbook, Robin Olson says that she found references when she did studies of cookie parties, is what they called them then, dating back to the late 1800s. Then they began to be called cookie exchanges by the 1930s, and then by the 50s it changed to cookie swaps. Um, and it's always been like a ladies-only event, like ladies getting together, you know, whatever. Um, I wish I could run up on a good cookie swap, because I would really, I'd like to have some
0: different Well. Cookies. Lamar on the seventeenth. It's not a cookie swap, but we did My girls and I do a thing every year where we bake a bunch of different cookies, and then we invite friends to come decorate them. And then you get to take home whatever cookies you decorated. Oh, that's. Would you like cool. to do that? You're oh, a man, you but, yeah. but we'll allow it. Yeah, we'll allow it. You want to come and decorate <laughs> cookies? You can bring are? Carla. Like Hell, that. you can bring you can bring yeah. Darby the dog. Yeah. All right. <laughs> I don't want you to feel excluded. Right. Oh my
1: gosh. No, it's true. I
0: think I'm going to keep out on my
1: because I love a bunch of different Christmas cookies. I really do. I really do. And we always talk about this—the twelve days of Christmas. Um, you know, it, it goes for those twelve days uh, from what? It goes what? Uh, December twenty-fifth to January the sixth.
0: January fifth. It, go from, 5th. it I, goes I mean, fifth. Okay. Um, yeah, because the sixth is the Feast of the Epiphany. And January fifth yeah. is twelfth night.
1: Yeah, um, you know, I love that. I, I love it. We when you grew up, we did when you had choir practice at school or whatever. You blew it. We we, we drew, uh, grew up singing that, and I was always visualizing all the stuff or whatever. And I think we went across. We went over this uh, sometime in the last few last couple of weeks on the show. But the thing I come up with mm-hmm. says that for this year. Forty-six thousand seven hundred and thirty dollars would be what it would cost if you bought them all. Mm. So
0: that's a lot but of birds. I do enjoy
1: it. I do enjoy it. I, I do. I really do. I, I think it's one of those things that's not Christmas without it. Now, how are you on poinsettias? You like poinsettias?
0: I do, but I have pets, and I think they're yeah, poisonous. They're not good for
1: them. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. That is true. That is true. That is true. But you know these these came from Central America, and they're brought to the United States. By U.S. Ambassador to Mexico Joel Roberts Poinsett, so I guess he gets to name of the flower since he brought it in back in uh, 1820. Um, and now, a hundred years later, it's—I mean—they're everywhere. And and you know, if we're if we're going to somebody's house and we can't think of something else to bring, we stop and buy a poinsettia because you never make anybody mad at Christmas bringing a poinsettia. I mean, you just. Don't. Well,
0: you- I mean, I've never known a situation where anybody said, oh, if I get one more poinsettia in this house. <laughs> <laughs> if I'm not mistaken, common.
1: I think it, they're saying it is the number one best-selling potted plant in the nation.
0: So I'm, I'm going to do something that I shouldn't do because it's something Bob does and we always yell at him because he doesn't submit his questions in writing ahead of time. But I'm having this weird feeling, like a tickle on the back of my brain going, didn't poinsettias used to be used for something else before they evolved into a Christmas plant? Didn't they have another meaning? Hmm.
1: Now, that's a great question.
0: Max, don't you have the vague looking, notion
1: I'm that, I'm they, that they do? I'm, I, I'm not surprised if it is because I'm like you. There's, there's a tickle, but I, I didn't yeah, run like across it when I was
0: doing this. There's a part of you that's going, what else were they? Like, they started out as dot, dot, dot. Anywho, what's next? Well, last, last but not
1: least is the Salvation Army bell ringers. You know, we don't think about them, but we see them all the time, and it just sort of goes in and I don't think you think about it. Um, they have been collecting money for the needy since 1891. The tradition started in San Francisco. Uh, when the Salvation Army, Army Captain Joseph McPhee wanted to raise some money to offer a free Christmas dinner to a thousand of the city's most destitute, and he was inspired by this kettle he had seen in England in which people tossed coins for the poor, so he set up his own version, and it quickly spread across the country. Uh, the Salvation Army helps more than 4.5 million people during the holiday season, and they don't only accept cash nowadays. You can make donations by smartphone, and that's smart because
0: nobody's got cash, right? Yeah, Coming nobody's got store. cash,
1: so that's exactly right. I got a friend of mine that goes camping with us. His name is Terry, and uh, he got a Grinch costume this year, and he's been running around with his Grinch costume. So he had to, he had volunteered to ring the bell, and uh, he did it in the Grinch costume. Oh my god. <laughs>
2: I love he it. He took
1: in tons. He took in tons because he really got into it. And uh <laughs> it was it was really cool. And that's such
0: I, a great a, idea. I love yeah, it. See,
1: it changes everything. It changes everything. So but that's just a few of the many traditions that we have. And I have certainly enjoyed us talking about it. And hopefully, I'm going to find me a sweater and get me some eggnog so when we we crank the tree up, I'll be ready. That's going to have to do it for this episode of Talking Lamar. Now, all of you are educated on the histories of a few of our great traditions. I hope you will not only share the information you learned with others, but tell them where you got it. You got it from Talking Lamar. We'll see you next time. Thank you so much for listening to Talking Lamar, the Oddcast, and the Bob and Sherry podcast. We would really love it if you would subscribe, rate, and review, and share it with a friend on Facebook, Instagram, wherever you go. And thank you again for listening.